Welcome to the podcast service of Sydney's FM 103.2, available on the web at fm1032.com.au. Thanks for joining us. Nice to have your company. There are two different types of things that people are inclined to say about suffering. I mean, suffering is one of the most obvious realities of this world and of life in this world. And here are the two things that I think people most commonly say about suffering. One of them, by the way, is right, and one of them is wrong. Sometimes when suffering hits us or our loved ones, we say, why me? Now, I want to say that's the wrong reaction, I think. It invites the response, why not you? Who would you rather suffer? The people next door? Probably say yes, wouldn't you? And the answer to that question of why, why me, why is this happening, is that our journey takes us through a world of suffering, through a rebellious, corrupt, fallen world. In this kind of world, asking Why am I suffering? Makes no more sense than a man who lives at the equator saying, Why am I hot? The answer in both cases is because of where you live. Because of where you are. Now the other thing that people say is when suffering hits or they see suffering or hear about it, they say, It shouldn't be like this. And that's the right reaction. That's God's reaction. God looks at the hurt and the suffering in this world and says, It shouldn't be like this. What God does about this world's suffering is to take it upon himself. God enters this world in the form of his one and only son, Jesus Christ, and takes our suffering upon himself. He is the suffering God, the God on whom we rely, the one we turn to in our greatest agony, knows what suffering is all about. Not just because God knows everything, but by direct personal experience. In the face of suffering, then, there are two practical responses, ours and God's. God's response is to rescue, while our response is to repent. I'll come back to God's response in a moment. But firstly, this question of repenting. The word repent misleads a lot of people, confuses people. It's important to understand that repent doesn't just mean to feel sorry about something. Sorrow is good, but sorrow is not enough. Change is needed. I used to produce and host a a daily national radio program about families and parenting called Offspring. On that show, we dealt a number of times with the difficult issue of family violence, commonly a husband, father, who'd lose his temper or get drunk and then assault his wife and children. There was a very common pattern in these cases. Very often the day after the assault, the man would tell his family, often in tears, how sorry he was and he would promise not to do it again and his sorrow was genuine And he meant his promise sincerely when he made it. But the next time he got drunk or lost his temper, he hit them again. Sorrow is not enough. Change is needed. To repent means to change. At some point between the cradle and the grave, we must knowingly, consciously, deliberately choose our road or God's road, our way or God's way. That's the repenting that Jesus says will deal in a practical way, with suffering. But how does repenting deal with suffering? The connection may not seem obvious, so I'll explain that in a little while. Hang in there with me. Firstly, God's reaction to suffering. God reacts to suffering by saying, as I said, it shouldn't be like this, and launching a rescue mission to planet Earth. To illustrate what I mean by God's response to suffering, here's a story that I read in a news magazine some years ago. There was a badly polluted river in the United States in which the pollution was toxic. 
I mean, this was in the days before there were proper environmental protection laws. Factories were pumping dangerous waste chemicals and heavy metal residues into the river. There were still, remarkably, fish in the river. They had somehow adapted, and the fishermen still fished on the banks, but only for sport. Everyone knew you do not eat the fish from that polluted water. The authorities discovered just how toxic the river was when a child with an open cut on his leg fell into the water. That cut became seriously infected, and after several days in hospital, the child died. After that, signs were put up on both banks of the river warning against swimming or even entering the water for any reason whatsoever. At the risk of your life, do not enter this water, the sign said. The story in the magazine went on to say that on a particular Sunday afternoon, there was a fisherman, in fact a number of fishermen, lined up on both banks of the river, families picnicking on the grassy slopes near the river, and a three-year-old child fell in. As the current carried the child rapidly towards the middle of the river, it was obvious he couldn't swim. And the fishermen just stood and watched. They knew any attempt to rescue the child might kill them, might be fatal. The river was a killer. That knowledge kept them frozen where they stood. An older man in a wheelchair was fishing with his son, a young man in his twenties. When no one else moved, this man turned to his son and said, Go in after him. The young man, his son, dived in, pulled the boy to safety. The three-year-old boy was reunited with his parents. He suffered no ill effects. Hadn't even swallowed a drop of water, apart from a bad fright. But his rescuer had a cut on his hand from his fishing knife that became he became desperately ill. He was in hospital on life support for several days, but in the end he survived. That story is a picture of what God has done. He has looked at the mess we've made of this world, the pollution of pain and suffering we've created, and he said to his son, go in after them. That is why Jesus came, and that is why he died. Well now, is there nothing, you or I, I can suffer, that God has not already suffered? No, there is nothing, there is nothing you or I can suffer that God has not already suffered. Have you been persecuted unjustly? That happened to him in the persecution of Jesus by the authorities. Have you been deserted by all your friends and relatives? That happened to him on the night that Jesus was arrested. Have you suffered physical pain? The pain of his crucifixion must have been excruciating beyond description. Have you seen a child die? God has seen his own son die on the cross. Do you imagine God doesn't love his own son? Of course he does. And yet he watched his own son die in that brutal death on the cross in order to rescue you and me. God's response to suffering is rescue. Our response to suffering needs to be repent. Which brings us back to that question of how repenting can be a practical response to suffering. Well, it can be in a number of ways. Firstly, once we turn, turn from our way to God's way, once we've accepted the rescue that Jesus offers, once we are members of God's family, then we can know for certain that suffering will end. And that's very powerful. Imagine sitting in the dentist chair undergoing a painful procedure, knowing the dentist's next appointment is at noon and this discomfort must end is a great comfort. Knowing suffering will end is powerful knowledge. When we know Jesus as both rescuer and ruler, then we know that suffering will end. As he was dying on the cross between two thieves, one of those thieves repented and Jesus turned to him and said, Today you will be with me in paradise. The part of the Bible that tells me that is Luke chapter 23, verse 43. 
When I turn to Jesus and I put my life in his hands, Jesus says to me, you shall be with me in paradise. Beyond the grave, all suffering ends, all that is evil in this world falls away, only the good remains. But this is only for those who turn to Jesus and repent. If you're on God's road, travelling his way under his direction, all you have to do is endure this world. This is as bad as it ever gets for you. But if you're on your own road, travelling your own way, following your own map, you have to enjoy this world. This is as good as it ever gets for you. Secondly, once we repent, our suffering ceases to be meaningless. It doesn't cease to happen. You know, we still live in a world full of suffering. We're going to suffer and hurt, but it ceases to be meaningless, pointless suffering. Despite the rebellion of this world, God is still in charge. God will allow suffering to impact upon his people. This world is God's gymnasium. He is growing souls fit for his heaven, his paradise. Sometimes suffering is part of that growing process. You can see that in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12 and sentence 6. If we are his and suffering hits us, we can know that he has allowed it. We may not know exactly why, why this suffering has come at this time and the pain is just as bad, but we can know for certain it is not something outside the will of God. Somehow God will bring good out of this evil whether we can see it or not. For those who've turned their back on God and are traveling away from him, suffering means nothing. It just happens. For God's people on God's journey, suffering is never meaningless. Regardless of whether we see the meaning or not, we can know this because we know God's character. Thirdly, God gives us each other for mutual support. One of the tests of genuineness of any group who call themselves Christians is how they support each other in times of difficulty. Some groups fail that test because they are Christian in name only. But millions can testify to the support, the help, the encouragement, the love they found in God's people in times of crisis. We are fellow travellers on the same road, helping, supporting, teaching, encouraging each other on the journey. And fourthly, and most mysteriously, Jesus himself comes with us. Now this is something I don't think I can find the words to explain, but the Bible clearly teaches that the Spirit of Jesus comes to live in us, to strengthen, guide and help us on the journey. And millions of Christians can tell you they have been surprised to find at moments of suffering an inner strength that was not their own. Okay, here is our thought for the night from Luke chapter 13 and sentence 5. Jesus said, Unless you repent, you too will all perish. Until tomorrow night at this time, thanks for your company. I'm Kel Richards. Bye for now. We hope you enjoyed this FM 103.2 podcast. To listen to more great audio, visit fm1032.com.au.